0: Hello everybody and welcome to Broomwagoon, you will not get there with a pair of normal tires, something like 700, how is the name? 700C425mm, no no, you need some crazy and some cool shit here. So that's why today's episode, you're gonna know it more, you're gonna know it more, I'm gonna present it to to you in a couple of minutes. Uh, Let's go ahead say thank you to you that are listening to this episode amazing thing really every day that i'm recording podcasts i'm editing the podcast i'm doing cool stuff over here i'm always thinking at the end, wow, this episode is amazing. Every single time. And I need to say thank you for all of you that are following me as well as everybody who is participating to this podcast and also to the great development that I'm having over there. Plus, thanks a lot to the 3T people that supports me and, uh, yeah, have a good eye of myself and that provided me with the amazing 3T Explorer. Today, Friday... It's around noon, 12.23. I'm thinking about uh, going out and having my lunch break on the bike. If I can be super fast because I have a lot of stuff to do working wise, but probably I'm gonna do it. And I'm gonna do it only because i really in the need of riding this amazing 3T red and black that I have in front of my face. Thanks 3T and uh, yeah, thanks for the support and thanks for building these amazing bikes over here. Thanks again then my contacts hello at calamaro.cc that's my email write me out if you want myself to interview somebody if you want myself to touch a story that you would like to or just to give me a hug or whatever I'm really happy to receive all your emails. And then Calamaro CC on Instagram, read Calamaro on Twitter, Calamaro CC on Facebook. And love, love, love all around. Remember to spread and to share this episode. You will find it out on Spreaker, uh, just look for BroomVagon or Spreaker.com slash calamaro or Spotify, Spotify, just look for BroomVagon, it's super easy. And then Apple Podcasts, just go there, look for BroomVagon and share it around. And don't forget, of putting a five star rating over there. Ratings and shares and comments and whatever are pretty, really, really, pretty, really, pretty, really appreciated. So yeah thanks a lot for doing that. A couple of things, just, it's really, today is Friday the 7th of December, yes, exactly, I just received the news that the Berliner Farage Show is not gonna happen this year, and I'm really sad of that, because Berliner Faraschau was really an event that I was always looking forward to participate, and I started my life in Berlin actually going there without knowing anybody, and after four years, four years also of podcast, talking with John John Woodruff all the time they commenting about that and uh, talking with other people and last year after four editions in a row I was participating I was actually part of the show uh, being uh, making a couple of workshop also for with the help of listen ride and with the help of the organization of the Berliner Fahrradshow and of the bicycle week Berlin and uh, it was really great success for me and great, great, great fun to be part of that. This year this is not going to happen. This year was supposed to be this year. 2019 was supposed to be uh, the 10th edition of it. and But it's not going to happen for some organizational stuff and whatever. I'm pretty sad to hear this. Um, News and I hope that something will happen. Anyways, because I cannot go to the Berliner Far Show this year, because it's not gonna happen. I am planning probably to go to Dusseldorf and for the cycling words because, because it's an event that I always wanted to go, and also maybe going for the Velo Berlin that is the amazing event that Ingo from Urban Cycles and Zeko as well, and then Kenny as well, they are organizing over there. And uh, yeah, probably Berlin is going to be back in my life for the Velo-Berlin and other cycling community events, really niche events, is going to be tackled by the cycling world in Dusseldorf. Then also I have to discover something that happens here in Zurich at a certain point. I want to be part of the same scene here. And talking about the scene of bicycle that we always like to want to do, to participate in, I have to mention again the swift cycling culture that is organizing the Clunker's Ride on the 15th of December just check it out on your website shiftcyclingculture.com or look for shift cycling culture on facebook on instagram and look at the events that are over there the main event the biggest ride i think is gonna happen in amsterdam with the clunkers ride plus the bicycle part swapping and really really stuck to see what's going on over there and what it will go on for this event over there and soon really some good news just bear with me till next week, and you will know more about it for now, just check all this stuff around. Last thing that I want to mention here, it looks like, I don't know, it sounds like a priest that during the celebration of Sunday is just giving the news to the nation, news to the town, that's what I am doing at the moment. Just one thing I want to mention, I'm really, really need to the. Problem at the moment is not a problem actually. I have this project, I would love to interview somebody from the transcontinental race, the organization part, because I believe that we need to tackle uh, this thing. And also, they are changing completely the routes this year. They are starting from Eastern Europe, and arriving to the west of France, instead of doing up and down. Usually, I remember, historically, it was from London to um, uh, Istanbul, then they moved it from Belgium to Istanbul, then from Belgium to to um, Greece, and this year is from the Bulgaria, I think, east uh, border of Bulgaria to France, and for the 7th edition I would really love to talk about this amazing event and how the organization moved forward. And uh, I remember I interviewed uh, Christophe Allegert, talking about that, and I, I interviewed my friend Gregory, who took part as well to the uh, fifth or fourth edition of the transcontinental race, and it's, it, it is here, he is here in this. Podcast, And then I interviewed, obviously, Nelson Trees. that first he rode the transcontinental race and then he decided to go solo with the amazing Silk Road mountain race. And yeah, now I would really love... Because it, that's really the elephant in the room, you know? I'm talking about bicycle discovering, I'm talking about gravel. By the way, the episode... The episode... The, uh, the edition of number 7, so 2019, there are going to be a lot of gravel. And so yeah, transcontinental arrays is the thing. I'm working hard on that, hopefully you're gonna hear some news, and if you want to put myself in contact with somebody, just... you have my contacts. And so, please do it. I believe it's all from my side right now, now we have to start... Let me think if I have to tell you something else... I would say no, but anyways, uh, we're talking all the time. Um, we Today I'm going to interview a great character, and we can actually define this episode like that day that I almost burned my house, or better, it's an apartment, so burn the old be- building where I'm living. You're going to know a bit more about that, and I will tell you a bit more about that at the end, but today I'm going to interview Clayton from WTB, Yes, amazing character, amazing shot. Actually, at a certain point, it was him interviewing myself. Find it and uh, just find out how cool it was. Yes, today is going to be a pretty technical talk. We're going to talk about a lot of numbers, engineering and stuff. Am I correct? Are we doing that, Clayton? No, I don't think we are today. No, yeah, yeah, for sure. We were discussing exactly about the opposite before, (laughs) but I want to make a small joke. No, we are just going to talk with an amazing character, a great cyclist, a pretty adventurous one, and a trail lover. And uh, also, yeah, one of the person behind one of my favorite brands, yeah, tires brand. I'm talking about Clayton from WTB, but still Clayton is a thing
1: yes yes thank you thank you thank you very much for that very nice introduction uh yeah i'm the the pr guy or the pr guru i guess you could say from wtb and also handle content creation but also uh just a lover of all things on two wheels in general also
0: yeah i remember actually one of our first email that we exchanged before to organize this thing actually you were talking to me about a particular tire we're gonna talk about that more of that you were actually expressing. All your love for the trails and how cool it has been that gravel rides are are becoming really close to mountain biking. And... Yes, I loved it. So I'm really happy to have you here. Yeah, definitely. I'm
1: stoked to be here.
0: Yeah, great. Actually, first of all, I want to make myself ridiculous reading also not only your name, but also your surname, because people like actually myself getting myself in ridiculous, misspelling usually the names. And it's Clayton van Bichler.
1: Yeah. So every fourth letter is silent is the easiest way to explain it. So the G is silent and the H is silent. So... Clayton Van Bickler is how it's pronounced. Van
0: Bick- but is it a German surname or?
1: It is, it is. It's definitely. It's very, very German. It was originally Van Van uh, uh About, I believe it changed about eighty years ago. Okay, okay, okay.
0: But I'm not gonna repeat it anymore. But it was cool actually to mistake. Also, your um, it's normal. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> cool, Clayton. Do you want to give us a more, t- a small introduction about yourself?
1: Yeah, definitely. So, um, as I mentioned, I'm the PR guy for WTB, but first and foremost, I'm a cyclist. I've been riding for about 15 years now, and that's spanned everything from um, being a mountain bike guide down in Peru to uh, riding my touring bike across the country from Maine to San Diego, uh, and kind of writing about it along the way. So I've, you know, at an early age, I realized that I wanted to ride bikes and write about it. And share it with others. So that's kind of what I've been doing now for the last professionally for about eight years now. And just trying to have a blast along the way. I'm based out of California. I live in the Tahoe area of California. And um, work remotely for WTB. Visit the offices often. But not too often. And um, yeah, I think that's about it.
0: So you were telling me that mostly you are a mountain
1: biker. Yeah, so... I'd say I'm a mountain biker first and foremost, but I guess it's most important to say I'm a cyclist first. Um, I'm actually let's let's go to a broader range. I'm a I'm a two wheel aficionado, so I also love motorcycles. Wow, Uh, yeah. So if it involves two wheels and requiring balance, then then I'm all in. So, but yes, I would say first and foremost, I'm a mountain biker, um, and I'm kind of am more dirt focused in everything I do. So even when I get on the a drop bar bike, it's typically my drop bar rides are typically more gravel road and trail. Um, I'm usually oftentimes people are connecting up gravel roads with paved roads. I'd say I'm connecting up trails with gravel roads. Yeah. Um, yeah so, and, and, and part of that also is just um, due to where I live. I mean, if I lived in Uh, southern california or if i lived in san francisco like in the city you know then it would probably be riding pavement to seek out dirt but where i live it's a hundred yards from my house is dirt road and then i'm from the dirt roads that's my foundation and from that i'm seeking out trails and unique views and yeah experiences it's all all about the adventure
0: Uh, well uh, that's what we like actually about the bicycle because i don't know i was actually uh, i started uh, my cycling adventure, okay, everything started from uh, um, a bike packing trip, but that's another story. But then I got into bicycle mostly with um, fixed gear riding and racing and as well road cycling or whatever. But then at a certain point, you really discovered that it's not fun at all to just riding your bicycle and following the ass of the person in front of you. How beautiful can it be? It's fine, okay? There are a lot of beautiful asses out there, but come on, following the person in front of you is not the thing. The, the thing is really going out, discovering new things and being stunned by landscapes or stuff that you have never done before or, I don't know, wild animals.
1: Uh, definitely. I mean, it's it's the whole adventure aspect of it, the whole experience. And an adventure can be big and small. I mean, it it can be over the last year and a half, I've been to Nepal twice and did two, you know, did big bikepacking trips up in the Himalayas and they were grand and they were amazing. But then I've also just done rides out from my house that are two hours long and I see a new trail I've never ridden or explore a new uh, a new gravel road that I've never seen. And it's just that yeah, there is something to be said about that this whole sense of getting out of the the monotony of a typical staring at an ass ride and getting out and instead experiencing something.
0: And, uh, yeah, maybe we're going to go into that really soon, but let's uh, let myself ask you this question anyways. Are you tracking anyways, your, uh, your rides, the thing that you are doing or usually you're just, or just planning them before or just the only thing that you do, you just go out, discover new rides, discover new roads, discover new trails and then forget about them until you are not doing it again.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I think it varies. Uh, and it, kind of goes from ride to ride on the bigger bikepacking trips, um, whether they be internationally or within the country. I'm usually tracking them simply because I'm writing about them and people love numbers. Um, So people typically want to know like, yeah, that was a great trip, but how many miles was it? What was the elevation gain? And it's kind of nice knowing for myself as well, but I'd say – on the day-to-day, no, I'm not typically tracking my rides. It's more just about going out there and enjoying the ride and the experience and, and and keeping it simple. You know, life is so busy and stressful, both in the workplace and all of that. I mean, it's it's nice to get out there and kind of disconnect and have no reason for what you're doing rather than just having fun and getting out there and doing it. I mean, I I did a lunch ride a few days ago, a Tuesday, or no, no, this was last Tuesday, wow weeks blah wow. but okay. last day um and I didn't have much time so I just grabbed my helmet and went I mean I was still wearing my jeans and a cotton t-shirt and I was like I'm just going to go out for an hour I don't even need to let alone track my ride I don't even need to really suit up I'm just going to go pedal my bike for a bit um and so no I think it's more about just getting out there and experiencing the fun and yeah enjoying it
0: yeah that's the best thing who cares about other stuff you have already to to write about stuff or whatever and be really on the point and all the books all the times that you have to let's say document them and so once that you want to go out just to have fun okay it's fine
1: yeah definitely
0: how many bicycles do you have clayton
1: oh man <laughs> oh too many well never too many but um i'm definitely a person who believes like I, I want to have my specific bike for the specific task that I'm doing. I'm um, That's kind of the one thing I'm picky about. So um, I have everything from my hardtail bikepacking mountain bike, which is 29 plus, um, or when I do big international. I went to Thailand last year and bikepacked for two and a half weeks and you know something that can carry all my gear loaded down. And then I have my gravel bike. So I have a Marin Four Corners Elite. Um, which is kind of, uh, it's a, how would you explain it? It's a gravel bike, but it's more of like a utility gravel bike, steel frame. I have my bike packing frame bags on it, all of that, you know? Um, so of that I have my long travel mountain bike. So a Kona process 153. So over six inches of travel squishy bike, as I call it, uh, <laughs> I have a short travel 29er, which is a Marin uh, B-17. And that, I have my dirt jumper for when I want to go to the bike park, which is a transition BLT. Mm-hmm. And then I have my cross-country touring bike, the one I, I toured across the country of 4,500 miles. Wow. Um, on a surly long-haul trucker. Yeah, I did that in 2013. And so that although it was once my uh ride across the country and tour bike it's now become the bike with road plus tires on it and it's now the grocery getter okay yeah
0: okay Okay. yeah that sounds like a, an, a decent amount of bicycle you have in your cellar makes
1: sense yeah definitely and those aren't even that those are the those are the more specific fancy bikes but then there's you know cruiser bikes and things like that that my friends take to we go take them down to the pub or something like that so yeah a variety yeah
0: yeah yeah it's what you need right so a bicycle for every use plus some bicycle for the guest
1: exactly and that's oh that really is a nice thing i mean some of my bikes are similar like my two trail mountain bikes are similar enough to where My brother comes and visits, and he has a bike he can ride. I have a friend who comes and visits, they got a bike. When you fly into Tahoe, because you're going to visit at some point, I got a bike for you to ride. That's great. That's great. Can't wait for that. Yeah, very good. What about you? I gotta ask you, how many bikes do you have? Ah, that's,
0: uh, uh, let's say, at the moment, At the moment, I have two bicycles that are in front of me because I don't have a garage. Ah, okay. And I'm not actually brave enough to live in the common room of the old building to put the bicycle inside, but I have two bicycles. Uh One is my steel frame uh, road bike. It's Columbus steel tubes, amazing one. It's really the one that I've done mostly all my adventure on top of it. Okay. Then I have my 3T Explorer obviously. How can you do it without? Uh, This is one that I just got it something like three months ago, four months ago, so still around 1,000 kilometers, 1.5 thousand kilometers I've done with it, but yeah, I'm planning to explore a bit more of it. And then I have a third bike that is actually still in the basement of a shop of a friend of mine in Berlin, because I need to go and pick it up. I'm going to go next week over there. And this is actually the bicycle where everything started, huh? because it's the bicycle that a friend of mine gave me to make the first bikepacking travel. It was something like a present for my master's degree. And this is the one that I use usually for commuting and stuff like this. So yeah, only three. Oh. Even if I'm planning to buy a new road bike.
1: Yeah. So that sounds like my, my one of my favorite questions to ask cyclists are always, yeah, you have all these bikes, but if you had to get rid of all your bikes and you could only keep one. Oof. And it sounds like it's maybe that bike in that box in the, in the downstairs of a bike shop, or no?
0: I don't know. I have actually, uh, here you're asking me something with, yeah. Uh, my heart will bleed, actually, if you ask me this question, to choose between one of those. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm talking as well about also about the, the 3T Explorer. It's the same thing, because I can explain. So the first one is the one that I was saying, the one in the box in Berlin, the Peugeot Champagne. One, also steel, steel frame, amazing bike or whatever. This is my first one. I can never get rid of it. But on the other side, I can never get rid of my hammer, of the yellow steel bicycle, because actually I've been ordering it. It was a process long for one year in order to get it. And it's exactly of my size, exactly of my soul, you know, and yeah. also, so I would never get rid of it. And then also the 3T Explorer would be super complicated. I'm also, because I needed to, uh, to get it back because this is as kind of a bicycle that I got it for uh, support for this podcast to ride a bit of gravel. And I'm already thinking about when I have to, give it, give, it to it, give it back to the 3T guys in May. And I'm already talking with my friend and saying, okay, I would never leave this bicycle because... I will really cry the day that I'm gonna leave it. Yeah. So, but you're right. You, in this kind of situation, you need to keep only one, and I think that you are right. And I would keep the the black one, the peugeot, for sure. Yeah.
1: And regarding the 3T, maybe just stop responding to Mark's emails. Just go go silent on him and then you can keep the Explorer.
0: Well, I can say that. Yeah, exactly. uh, Yeah, something like, okay, you had to give back the bike. Something like, automatic response, Stefano is not here anymore. (laughs) He's riding his 3T Explorer. Yeah. (laughs)
1: perfect
0: perfect yeah Yeah, i will talk actually with rene about that let's see if i can do it or maybe i can say you know what i'm gonna buy another one of your bicycle maybe a road bike Mm -hmm. estrada only if you can let me keep the other one (laughs) yeah perfect perfect it's one against the other i can ask you the same question to you maybe which one which bicycle if you have just to get rid of everything and keep only one
1: yeah and so in my mind there's no question it would be my surly long-haul trucker which is kind of funny because if you look at the monetary value of my bikes, it's the least valuable. It's the one that, you know, I could probably replace it for uh, $2,000 or something like that. But it's the one that I rode across the country. And so that signifies a few things for me. It signifies, well, it was in the ex- one of the experiences of a lifetime with a very close friend, but it also signified what what got me into my profession and allows me to do what I do today and all of that. So it's definitely, it has the most amount of miles on it and uh, uh, the most amount of sweat on the top tube. So that's the bike I would keep.
0: Well, let's go in this direction then and just change completely the direction that we were, we were supposed to follow. Tell me more about this story. Tell me more about your travel with your Surly around the country.
1: Yeah, definitely. So I got to go back to a trip before that as to where we started. I, I met a very good friend when I was guiding mountain biking in Peru and we, we hit it off. Well, we did a bunch of trips together. And so when we got back to the States after our trip, he, he called me three months later and he was like, we, we got to do another trip. And I was like, oh, okay, well, we're going to go see, let's go to Asia. Let's go, let's go check out Thailand. Let's go check out India. And he was like, eh, let's check out our own country. Okay. I, I'll see more of our own country. And he was like, all right, well, let's do it by bike and he had never ridden a bike before i was the one who was a cyclist and i was like i don't know man <laughs> that's uh that's that's quite the trip and he was like no we'll do it we'll get bikes and we'll just take it one pedal at a time one day at a time and we'll get it across the country and i was like okay so uh a few weeks later i had a plane ticket to fly out east and met him in boston and we started in maine and just slowly started and, you know, just chipping away at, I don't know what this is in kilometers, but 30 to 40 miles per day. And, um, we kind of had two rules of the trip and that's that we weren't caught up on distance as much as we were on experiences. So if we got three miles into a day and there was some beautiful waterfall we could camp at, or there was some, some wonderful people we met or something like that, then And that's all we would ride that day. We'd ride three miles some days. Some days we got to New York city, we didn't ride our bikes for weeks. And so it was mainly a way to see our country. Um, The bike was probably the smallest part of it. And the, the experience was the most important part. So yeah, so we did that. It took us four and a half months.
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: We rode all down the Eastern seaboard down to the Southeast, rode through areas like Mississippi and, Tennessee and Texas um kind of the, the big you know yes yeah just some amazing states and saw some you know saw how our own country is divided up into many different cultures and it's it's interesting people always think of oh Americans you know and it just group us into one group but it's it's very different there are people in Tennessee in our own country who I didn't understand what they were talking, what they were saying to me Wow. the Dialect is so different, you know, and people I just have to be like, I'm sorry, I don't know what you're saying to me. I gotta go. Um, So so yeah, it was very, it was a very special trip. I'm very thankful that I had the time and ability to do so. Um, And I also thank it for being what caused me to realize that I wanted to write about bikes and share it with people, because it was that trip that I then applied to magazines with my blog. I wrote a huge blog about it. It's about 450 pages. It's way too long. Uh, Yeah. And that's what I applied to magazines with. And I applied saying, hey, this is my only experience in writing. I don't have a writing degree, but I want to write about bikes and share it with people. And that's that's how I got my first job in the industry. And I'm very thankful for that trip due to that.
0: This is an amazing story, really, Clayton. Thanks for sharing it. It's really it's really great. And I can find as well some similarities on what happened to myself. Okay, you don't know it, but my audience already listened about that a lot of times. But I don't care. I'm going to tell you the story because it's a nice story. And everything happened with uh, myself myself. Uh, just finishing my master's degree. And this friend of mine, who actually, is one of the causes why I'm here as well in Switzerland, but that's a long, really long story. But actually was living already in Switzerland at that time, in Lausanne. Uh, I was living in Rome at that time. Called me saying, okay, and then after it, what are you doing? I don't know. We'll apply for some jobs. No, no, no. Not about that. What are you doing straight after it? I don't know. I'm going to go back home, going to the beach, you know, enjoy time. No, because I have a plan for you. Okay. Which one is the plan? The plan is actually that we are going with some friends of mine across Albania and Greece. And uh, in 10 days, 15 days, okay, yeah, let's do that. We can find, we can catch a train or rent a car. No, 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 we are going to do it with the bicycle. And then I stopped all the world. I think that at that moment, the whole world was stopped spinning. And (laughs) uh, I said, What the hell? I've been (laughs) not riding the bicycle. I didn't do it in the last 20 years, 22 maybe and i don't own a bicycle and he told me okay then who cares the bicycle i'm going to provide you the bicycle because one of the guy coming with us is a bike mechanic and he has some for sure in the backyard and i will make uh, one specifically for you that you can ride and you will not have any problem in this huge bike tour um about riding the bicycle it's just if you have done it even if when you were a kid even with um train uh, train wheels or stuff like this You are gonna do it again. It's super easy. It's the most easy thing in the world. Then I said, "Okay, let's do it." And then the world started spinning again. And after three days, I was on the bicycle riding for one thousand. No, it were one thousand two hundred kilometers in ten days, and it was amazing. Since then, I never, never, never stopped riding the bicycle. It has been fifteen years now.
1: Wow, it can be a very transformative experience and something that you know, it's it's a certain level of freedom that people don't. People don't know about until they do it. And yeah, sounds like that you, you have your buddy to thank for getting you hooked on it again.
0: Yes, no, 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 for sure, for sure. And also, the other thing that I would like to stress the point that you were mentioning, it was not, it was almost everything about the bicycle, I would say 50, 60%. But the other 50, 40%, let's say 50%, was discovering a place that you didn't know and doing it with. Exactly. With a tool, let's call it a tool or a vehicle, whatever, with two wheels that spins at your um, at your speeds, that spins at your rhythm or whatever. So you can look around, you can enjoy people that are over there and you can really reach everything. Because I remember also at that time, some amazing gravel uh, trails and gravel roads or whatever, where you could not for sure go there with a car or with probably with a donkey. The only tool that would have let you arrive to the to the peak of some mountains or whatever could only be a donkey, but no anything else than a bicycle and a donkey, and that's amazing.
1: Yeah, that's very incredible. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Well, where, where were we here? Um, we we are supposed to talk about wheels here, uh, wheels and tires. Let's go for that. Yeah, we can do that. Yeah. Um, Tell me uh, a bit more about this uh, evolution of the gravel ride because the both of us I believe that uh, the first experience of gravel ride a bit more for um, let's say discovering and adventure reasons. But that's something that actually is evolving a lot, because actually I believe that a lot of people um, together, uh, like we have done and like a lot of people have done, are discovering really the adventure side of cycling and bikepacking and longer ride travel. But it's something that really happened right now in the last two, three years that it it became really a huge hype thing.
1: Yeah, definitely. And so I think there's two things that kind of WTB has to that we have to thank um, for. For this, uh, for the success, for uh, the success of the gravel line, and for being able to spot the gravel trend and and where it's gone and all of that, and that is the two things are first of all the events that we've had in America. So, gravel events in the in in the U.S. I mean things like Dirty Kansas and Trans Iowa. Um, those those really grew gravel and put them into the forefront of people's minds, even though they've been happening for years before the gravel trend really blew up. um, It was kind of publicity towards events like that, that opened people's eyes to it, I believe, and showed them, Hey, I can do this thing. That's kind of like an, kind of like a race, but not really a race. I'm just doing it with people. Um, It's kind of like a Grand Fondo, but, I get to go out and do it with friends and on dirt. And I don't know, I I think it was an appeal to people in the sense that they could go out and do this thing that was this community thing without racing. And I think that was the initial draw. And then it obviously, um, you know, it, it spread far, far and wide outside of events and such. But, um, I think that's one of the things that kind of put it in the spotlight. And, For WTB, I think that one of the early recognizers of that was he's no longer with us. He's now at a different company, but Will Ritchie. Um, Will Ritchie used to be the PR guy for WTB and then handled Drop Bar OEM sales for WTB for years. And he was kind of the first one to point out, hey, this is all about fun. These people don't want they want these tires that allow them to get out there and have fun and enjoy the time and with that comes we should provide tires that have higher volume and they should have these tread patterns and they got to be able to handle it all they got to be ha- able to handle all weather conditions and will was kind of the first person to talk with people and seek people out and go hey um, what do you want in a tire what do you look for and he would talk to race organizers he would talk to the average daily rider, he would talk to, uh, OEM manufacturers of, uh, bike, bike manufacturers and see what kind of tires would work well on their bikes and really chase that. Um, I think we have will to thank for that as well.
0: Yeah. 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 It's really amazing. And I believe that also another point that is really interesting on, uh, uh on your point is that yeah. People were actually attracted to having fun on the bicycle, even without racing.
1: Yeah, definitely, and that's kind of what it's kind of what WTB has always been about. Is I mean, we do make performance tires. Obviously, we make tires that people race. We have tires that are, I mean, people are racing in the Enduro World Series. We have people that tires that people are racing in cyclocross and all of that. But we've always kind of been more about, hey, what what not just tires, but what products will improve our ride the most allow us to have the biggest smile when we ride our bike allow us to be the most stoked and gravel was this thing where we're like well hey we can we can put knobbies on these tires that have 42 mil widths and people are just going to go out there and they're going to have a huge smile on their face and they're going to be stoked on it because it's allowing them to create a new adventure for themselves and their buddies um so, yeah, it's gravel is unique because, I mean, there are these events um, that people, you know, race and all that across the country. There's these big enduro things, but it's one of the few disciplines that is mostly based around just going out there and having fun. The highlight, you see, you see a gravel advertisement or a gravel ad, and it's never of a race. Mountain biking, Mountain biking, it's somebody with a number plate barreling down a mountain, you know, road it's. The Tour de France coming across the finish line and their their arms are up in the air celebrating. Gravel, it's about just three people out there out just riding their bikes all day and having a good time and seeing something new. And I, I love that about Gravel and I think that that's the reason that the trend has picked up, especially due to the fact that our lifestyles are getting busier and busier and more stressful and people are like, I don't know, they just want to release
0: yeah for sure makes sense i have to ask you just one minute if i can clayton because i need to go in the other room because i've listened something that i have to double check if they just knocked on my door give me one second
1: yeah okay cool uh, Yeah. While he's running away, everyone checking something, I have a joke for everyone. Um, I'd like to thank James Vincent for this joke. All right. A bear walks into a bar and says to the bartender, I'll have a pint of beer and a pack of peanuts. The bartender asks, why the big paws? Yeah? Anybody get that? All right, tough crowd today. Yeah, I'm back. Wonderful, I even I even told a joke while you were gone. Nobody laughed in response, but I told the joke anyways. I'm
0: gonna put it in the recording then.
1: Ah, perfect. I have a quick yeah. question. Before go ahead we get back into this uh so broom wagon so I'm obviously aware of what a broom wagon is but why what what was the what was the desire to make that the name of this
0: okay yeah I love it actually that you are making that you're telling me asking me this question because this is another good story uh, so while I was in Berlin um, I've made the first year that I was there I've made the um, fixed 42 world champion i no sorry the first year I've done the veloton Berlin Peloton Berlin is this freaking boring um, Is this freaking boring race that is actually happening in the city center and uh, around the city of Berlin. Road, bicycle, 180 kilometers, I believe, all flat. Ooh. And the point is that everybody is doing it on the road bike and everybody thinks to be, I don't know, into a peloton of the Tour de France. <laughs> so this means everybody following the S of the other person, going super fast, cutting the curves. So, long story short, it's one of the most dangerous ri- race, rides, whatever ri- race, I would say, uh, that I've ever done. It's really awful. Okay. When I finished that, I said, okay, I'm not going to do it anymore because it's freaking dangerous, it's freaking boring, my ass is hurting and my leg's not. I will never do it anywhere, anymore. Yep. The year after, I was really almost there, and then I said, okay, probably I have to do it because there's nothing, no other events here around Berlin. Probably I'm going to do it. But I didn't do it because I got injured. The year after, I said, okay, I'm going to do it. But instead of doing this one, I'm going to do something really dangerous because otherwise it doesn't make sense. So I signed up for the Fixed 42 World Championship. That is the race that is happening the same day of the Veloton, but on fixed gears, no brakes, in the autobahn, freaking fast. You have to keep something like an average speed of... 40 no 35 kilometers per hour but usually you are doing uh, way faster because it's something that you know you are reading really a bunch so you are going super fast because i said okay if i have to do something dangerous i'm gonna do the really dangerous thing and that's what i've done <laughs> yeah uh-huh. and after that actually i've done it and uh, i in order to put myself into a really huge motivation to do that I actually uh, started the first podcast of myself that was talking about fixed gear, I was talking about the fixed gear culture. I interviewed uh, people that are doing fixed gear crits, people that are doing uh, are organizing, I don't know, the, um, the messenger rides and all these things. And uh, it was pretty fun. And the end of it was actually on the race itself, taking, talking with people and telling the story. But the point is that after um, half of the... No, a bit more. After 30 kilometers, I got pretty sick of it. Also, I was spinning too much because my gear ratio was really not the exact one. And then I said, okay, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to stop it. I'm going to jump into the broom bagoon because it's the only... uh, Broom wagon, sorry. (laughs) Because it's the only place where they're going to give me a cold beer with alcohol because all the beers that were at the end were alcohol-free. So... I said, fuck it. I'm going to stop it. I'm going to jump into the broom wagon. That's what I've done. Yeah. I got my beer. I finished my ride in that way. I didn't finish my race, but it was fine. But it was the beginning of the new podcast. And this is the second season of Broom Wagon.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. I like it.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah, This is the story, actually, of Broom
1: wagon. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, sometimes you just got to call it and go for a cold beer. I like it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I said exactly that. I was already into the city. I was just out from the highway. I was in the Temple of Airport. Just out of the city, I got to Neukölln, the district. And I said, OK, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to go down. I'm going to shut down everything. Because they also told me, ah, but when I stopped, OK, but it's because of the time, of the pace. Do you want us to take out your number and you can arrive without any problem at the end? No, no, no. I want to stop because I want to get into the broom wagon, And that's what they have done.
1: <laughs> nice nice cool
0: doing uh, an, uh yeah, yeah yeah we were talking about actually before this amazing uh, story i would say i don't know it's not amazing it's like it is um about how the development of wtb uh, moved to some tires that are actually exactly um, exactly made for gravel But actually, the thing that I'm riding at the moment on my 3T Explorer is the byway. The one that you are calling the line is the road plus. Actually, you have four different tires on the line, I believe. There is maybe, uh, wait, I've written it here. You have the Horizon, the Byway, the Venture, and the Sendero. So the first two were Horizon and Byway, and then Sendero and Venture. Sendero is already out. I'm waiting for it to arrive, actually. And uh, Venture is not yet in the market. Which one is the different? Which one is the different style that you can have while riding this bicycle?
1: oh Sorry, these tires. Sorry. Well, You mean like what? what is the different kind of experience you get from riding these different tires? Exactly. Thanks a lot. Yeah. So so Road Plus came about, we got to go back a few years. So Road Plus came about similarly to how 27.5 Plus came out for mountain bikes. So Will Ritchie, who I spoke of earlier, which man, if you want to interview somebody, he'd be Incredible. Um, hook
0: me, up. hook me up. I'm gonna do it.
1: <laughs> yeah, sounds good. Um, so very similarly, um, to 27.5 plus, which is where we fit a high volume 27.5 by 2.8 tire into a frame that traditionally was made for 29, is what how 27.5 plus came about for mountain bike. Okay, okay. and so very similarly, f- 650B by 47 has the same overall diameter. As a seven hundred by thirty, yes. so Road Plus originally came out as um, a way of fitting a high volume tire into a seven hundred frame, and and there was other companies who were already working on this at that time. I mean, obviously Compass was one of them, and Compass had high volume six fifty B tires. WTB was by no means the the first to do something like that, but we were the first to do it tubeless, though um, tubeless. Um, yeah, with a reliable tubeless system Okay. what it did originally is it allowed the higher volume allowed riders to expand their rides beyond pavement so they could take their bike that they would normally be riding on pavement and then mix in a little bit of dirt. You know, they could, they were riding a road ride, let's say, but there was some dirt road in between. They'd feel comfortable and confident and have traction. Um, riding on those dirt roads that were connect everything together and it didn't even have to be dirt roads but just rougher roads i mean there's some areas where people want to go road riding but on a i don't know a 28c tire or a, or a 30 mil tire even or let's go as low as a 25 i mean it's a rough ride and so it road plus was essentially designed to provide more comfort more traction on rougher terrain and kind of just expand um, where people ride their drop bar bikes um, and we call them drop bar now because you can't really call it a road bike because um, you're now riding on dirt in trails. So drop bar bikes. Um, and so it started with the horizon, which is obviously a nearly slick tread pattern with grooves in it. The grooves just provide a little bit more compliance and traction. Um, but we knew that we wanted to make it so it progressed more and more into the dirt um, you know, give people a taste of it, but hopefully give them a bite later and then a whole piece of cake eventually. Um Yeah. And so so that's what we did. So then a year later we came out with the byway, which was a little bit more dirt-centric. Let's say 60% road, 40% dirt. You know, it was still smooth on the top, but had uh side knobs, slight side knobs, just to provide a little bit more traction when you're cornering on dirt or gravel but you still wouldn't want to take something like that on truly loose gravel or a trail by any means um and so we knew that wanted to be more progression we didn't know if there was going to be four or five total tires we decided to consolidate it down to four Uh, and that's when venture and sendero came out and we just launched them uh this september so just a few months ago and those are where we finally push the spectrum of road plus further into the dirt so that it's more dirt and less road. Um, Venture is designed solely for, I mean not solely, but it's definitely designed to be for somebody who's spending most of their time in the dirt and maybe connecting things up on pavement a little bit, but mostly in the dirt. And then Sendero is even further down the line, somebody who spends most of their time on not only dirt, loose roads, but specifically trails um, most people don't know this, but actually Sendero is trail in Spanish. Okay. So I wouldn't say that was the, the reason behind the name. It's more behind, you know, people have been sending it, as you can say, on mountain bikes for that, that term's been there for a long time in the mountain bike world. And we kind of wanted to show like, Hey, you can kind of bring that into the drop bar world too. not to the same extent, obviously we don't want to see people doing, I don't know, whips on their bikes um, wearing tank tops, but, but it definitely allows people to get out there and gain a whole new riding experience, which is what road plus was all about. You know, um, just something different and also something different while having one bike that can do both. So in one bike, somebody can have their 700 by 28 or 30 slick tires that they're running on the road and then they can also fit these same exact road plus tires on there they just got to have a different wheel set so for some people who want to have more experiences but with less bikes um, they can have one bike that kind of does it all
0: yeah after we have discussed about yourself having something like seven thousand bicycles i don't know but yeah i got it
1: (laughs) yeah definitely no this isn't for me i uh uh, actually, although I mean, I would say I swap back, even somebody like me who has a lot of bicycles and loves having, I believe in the N plus one rule, which is that. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone knows the N plus one rule. So I believe in that. But even me, I mean, I have a spare wheel set for my Marin and I swap all the time according to my ride. I run 700 by 42 uh, Resolutes. So our Resolute 42s when I'm running my bike in 700 mode um high volume 700 tires and then yes Yes. when i switch over i i oftentimes throw on byway for when i'm going to be doing more paved riding um and i love having the versatility of it so even somebody like me who has a lot of bikes still sees versatility in having two wheel sets for one bike
0: yeah i can see it i can see it but actually what do you think about putting 2.1 inches road uh, sorry mountain bike tires on a gravel bike is it also oh. possible or would you say that it's better to to use uh yes a sendero or a venture or a byway as i have that are gravel specific tires and also the other way around we can say actually what do you think about putting a road plus a road plus tire on a mountain bike oh
1: now that's a good question so Regarding the first one, so I mean, I run. I recently, as as you and I talked about earlier, did the Tahoe Rim Trail with the three T crew, and Mark and I were both running Ranger two O's, which is essentially the Ranger two O is a mountain bike tire that we sell in Asia because they would like uh, the community of riders there are typically looking for very narrow mountain bike tires. So we sell a Ranger two O over there for mountain biking but over here it works great as I wouldn't call it a gravel tire but a mountain tire for a drop bar bike Um, and so that's what we were riding on the Tahoe Rim Trail it provided us all the traction we needed um, the volume we needed um, the confidence that you needed to ride a drop bar bike on fairly technical trails so Yeah. I mean, a a bike like the 3T will fit a 2.1. It'll fit up to a 2.1, which we make a nano 2.1 tire and that will fit on a 3T Exploro. And I think it depends on what the person's usage and intention is, um, for when they go out riding. I mean, if you're going to go out there and, um, just want to go ride by yourself and explore and check out some really rowdy stuff, like the the type of people who feel comfortable like i want to get in over my head and to the point where maybe even i have to walk my bike some sections you know that sort of stuff then no i think a 2.1 mountain tire or a 2.0 mountain tire would be ideal um but for somebody who wants to have a tire that can handle dirt handle trail while still being efficient and keep up with their buddies who are on traditional gravel tires? I think something like the Sendero is perfect because if your buddies are out there on their, I'm going to do some WTV equivalent, some a Nano 40 out on a gravel ride or a Riddler 37, and you're on a, and you're on our Nano 2.1, it's gonna it's gonna be a noticeable difference trying to keep up and the power output you're going to be putting out to keep up on a paved road or even a smooth gravel road, so. What the Sendero does is pretty much allow people to with the same riding group, the same bike, all of that, run a tire that has more traction and more volume. So I, I think I think there's different usages for them.
0: Okay. You didn't answer me on using the a mountain bike with a gravel a gravel tire though.
1: Ah, yes, yes, yes. So no, definitely. <laughs> just finished up. Um we were just at Grindero Quincy. We had, I will say it, we had the best aid station at Grindero Quincy. It was a uh, Okay. Yep, carnival-themed. But um, I would say there were a lot of people there who were running their drop bar, or I'm sorry, flat bar, hardtail mountain bikes with gravel tires. Huh. Um, and so it just depends. I mean, grind an event like Grinduro has some fairly technical descents, descents that my buddies and I ride on our full-suspension trail bikes. Hmm. So I, a lot of people felt they had an advantage by riding a mountain bike with mountain bike geometry, mountain bike flat bars, but with the efficiency of gravel tires. And I'd say that, I mean, is it as efficient, just body positioning and geometry and all that? I'd say no, but I don't think somebody should be discouraged away from going out and gravel riding with their buddies just because they don't have a gravel specific bike. I think that somebody could take their 29 inch mountain bike and throw, if you have a, uh, if you have rims on your 29 inch mountain bike that have a 25 millimeter internal width, or even a 23, um, or I mean, yeah, you can run our resolute 42 tires. You can run our nano 40 tires, which are gravel tires. Um, and yeah, have the efficiency the rolling efficiency of a gravel bike but in the body position of a mountain bike and I don't know for some people it may even be a more comfortable way of transitioning over to that for people who are mountain bikers and have been mountain bikers their whole life that might be an easy way for them to transition into the gravel scene
0: yeah makes sense it's actually discovering something new is always good yeah definitely well, here I have actually the question of forty million dollar probably mm-hmm. because as I was saying, my anyways, my background is as a roadie. So I started with twenty-one millimeters tires, just for you to know. Yeah. Um, and for me actually the word that I'm gonna explain in a second is something really completely new and i don't I still don't know how much I can trust because I'm a roadie, as I was saying. But the forty million dollars question is tubeless or clinchers
1: oh that's a for for somebody like me that's a no that that question is a no-brainer in the sense of tubeless is has come so far and is so advanced and so reliable and provides so many performance benefits that i don't see any reason to run tubes none Um, unless, unless i understand that there's some people in the race world who run tubulars because they're lighter, all of that. Okay. Got it. Totally understand. Outside of the very elite road racing world, um, I don't see any benefit of going tubes over tubeless. I mean, we've in the early years of tubeless, it was a, it was a much rougher system and it wasn't reliable and it was messy and it was difficult to install. But I mean, our TCS, which is tubeless compatible system from WTV has been around for 10 years. So we have a whole decade of refining, not only the system or the sealants, but also the casings to make them the most reliable, reliable to make sure they seal, to make sure they're puncture resistant where they need to be and where they don't need to be. And yeah, I mean, the the, the suppleness of a tubeless tire can't be beat. It cannot be beat by a tube tire. Um, of course, tubular, tubular is different, but I put that in a category of its own. Um, so yeah, I, I think the short answer to the40 million dollar question is that I wouldn't run a tube unless it was I had a puncture out on the trail or out on the road and I had to get home. It is solely a backup precaution and all of my bikes ranging from mountain bikes to gravel bikes, to commuters to road bikes. I haven't run a tube in my bikes in over eight years.
0: Okay, okay. So I feel really uncomfortable now on telling you that I have an inner tube in my byway on my activity explorer.
1: Oh my goodness,
0: what are you doing? We need to change that. I know, I know, I know. Once I receive the Sendero I think I'm gonna do Something different, let's say. Does Mark know you're doing this? I think till now,
1: no. Wow, I'm gonna call him and let him know after this. Yeah,
0: I'm feeling super guilty now, but after that, for sure, things are gonna change.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's certain things. I mean, you gotta, you gotta realize that the the support and the suppleness. I mean, the suppleness of a tubeless casing can't be beat by a tube type tire with a tube in it. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. It's it's night and day. It's not only in I mean in the fact that you can run lower pressures, but also have more traction and more reliability. It's it's truly amazing.
0: Okay, okay. I I really I make here really a promise. I swear it. Once I will receive the Sendero tires, I'm gonna switch straight away on
1: the tubeless tire. Sounds wonderful. But, but- I'm holding you to that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please, please, please. I'm going to send you a picture of that, even though I believe that for the first time I need to ask to the bike shop to to make it for me, but yeah.
1: Perfect, sounds good.
0: Yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to ask Danny to do it for me and let's see what he says. Perfect. I think that we're really rolling to the end of it. I still have another couple of questions. First of all, tell me your perfect favorite ride that you do usually on where you live, actually, in the Tahoe Lake
1: got it i'd say there's there's a variety of rides from you know very aggressive rocky stuff to um well i guess if we're going to talk about trail let's talk about the the trail that i would consider riding on any bike and have fun on any bike regardless of what that is and that is the tahoe rim trail you really can't beat um oh, 130 miles of consistent trail that is legal to ride on mountain bikes. Lovely. Uh, it's amazing, but also not extremely difficult. I, I wouldn't have, suggest maybe the, an intermediate rider do it on a drop bar bike. But as I told you two years ago, my buddy Mark and I rode it on our drop bar bikes. And we rode 95% of it on our drop bar bikes. So,
0: yeah. And the other, you said 97%.
1: Yeah, so there was definitely...
0: The 3% not- you were walking or you were cheating.
1: Yeah, there were some (laughs) sections that are rock steps that, man, maybe somebody can ride it, but it would be very impressive to see that.
0: Anyways, I'm going to put the video of the, sorry, the link on the video that you were mentioning down below, because this video is amazing. Wonderful. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, okay, this is the ride, actually, that you suggest to everybody to do around the the Lake Tahoe.
1: Yeah, Tahoe Rim Trail, and then, and I mean, of course, most people, I mean, a lot of people maybe can't take three four five days to do the full loop around the lake because it takes a while but um there are certain day sections that are amazing i mean the flume trail spelled f-l-u-m-e the flume trail is it's incredible it's one of the most picturesque rides that you'll see in not just america but all of the world um and it's beautiful overlooking lake tahoe mellow grades but still technical in sections you could you could ride it on a gravel bike, no problem, but you could also bring your trail bike out there and have fun on it. So yeah, there's there's a lot of day rides. the The Flume Trail would be one of the main day rides that I would suggest people go ride.
0: Uh, where we can actually check your uh, your rides, something like you were saying that you are writing about them. You were mentioning already your blog where you um, documented your ride around uh, your ride around the country or whatever. Do you still have something where you are writing and documenting really that the rides that you are doing or is it only on the WTB, let's say, website or blog or stuff?
1: Well, so I, I still have my blog from riding across the country. So anybody can get, go view that. It's called The Surly Snails of America. Um, I can provide you a link if you'd like it, but then, yeah, but since then, um, yeah, pretty much now, of course, when you start working for a company, uh, you kind of, some people are kind of able to balance the whole writing for themselves and writing for a company, but I'm not very good at that. So most of my stuff is now on the WTB blog, as well as occasionally I'll do some freelance work for other magazines. Um, I've done freelance work for mountain bike action magazine, um, the lone wolf. Um, and occasionally post things on mountain bike websites like pink bike as well. So, um, and then there's things like three T I mean that three T trip, I wrote all the copy for that. Um, okay. so it's kind of just spread out, you know, and typically when it comes from WTB, it it's, uh, it's from WTB, not my name. So it's maybe harder to find when it's through WTB stuff, but, um, yeah, it's you'll you'll see a pop up. Just look for the guy with. I typically have really long hair. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. Okay. Cool to know. And then actually, is the last question. When are you coming here around Switzerland, Zurich, or even south of Germany, whatever, so we can ride together?
1: Well, it sounds like we should be tagging something on the Eurobike. That sounds like the most ideal plan to me maybe a few days at the end or the few days at the beginning let's do that i love it sounds wonderful
0: yeah yeah yeah. if i can keep my 3t explorer otherwise i have to buy another one. Oh, otherwise i can put you on a road bike this could be another thing
1: okay just the only thing is it's got to have tubeless and your bike has to have tubeless too
0: whatever it is even a road bike perfect <laughs> okay okay we have a deal on that i cannot say no actually to you so also because it sounds like you made a really good joke on the on the recording that they didn't listen. So
1: <laughs> I try. I cannot tell you now on that. I don't know if it was good, but i I put out I put forward my greatest effort at least.
0: I can say that I'm gonna listen to that only when I'm gonna edit the episode. So perfect. <laughs> I will let you know for that. Yeah. Cool, man. Do you want to add something?
1: No, I just uh want to thank you for your time and for this interview. is amazing, and want to encourage everyone to get out and ride your bike and. I'm glad you listened to us for an hour. That was a long hour for you guys, I'm sure. But I hope uh, hope it motivates you to get out and go ride your bikes.
0: I hope so. I hope so. And anyways, I really like the style of this episode of our self-making question one to the other without having something like a script or stuff. It was amazing chat.
1: Yeah, it was very good.
0: Cool. Well, Clayton, it was a pleasure, really, and i talk to you soon. All right, sounds good. You have a great day. Bye. Ciao, you too. Ciao, ciao. That day that I almost killed everybody in the building because of some broccoli. You heard in the middle there was something like that. Okay, sorry one second, Clayton, because I have to go in the other room. Probably somebody rang, rang at my bell. It was not like this. This was actually um, my kitchen was burning because I was cooking something and I was having an amazing chat with Clayton and this actually kept me Out from my kitchen and I didn't check and whatever anyways everything is fine. I'm safe and sound not so much sound But for sure safe Uh, and uh, yeah the amazing interview, it's live, and uh, I love it. Uh, what else to say? Nothing, I would say. Just have to say thank you to everybody out there, and thanks, Clayton, to be part of this episode. And right now, I have actually in my room a pair of WTB Sendero that I have to assemble on my wheels on a tubeless way. I'm going to go for sure to the Cycle Store Zurich also because I've not been seeing them since a long time. And ask them if they can help me on putting them on for the first time. Next time I'm going to be doing it by myself, even if I'm the worst mechanic ever. And uh, yeah, so I was in the thank you situation. Thanks. Okay, I had to say, first of all, thanks to the old WTB people. And especially, I have to say thank you to a super, super good friend of mine. It is... Paul Arrington and Paul was the one put me in contact with Clayton and with all the WTB family and uh, yeah because I was asking okay which kind of tires and then we came out with this story that we built up and Paul is was really close to myself when we have to talk gravel and uh, bicycle adventure Anyways, Paul is the um, organizer of uh, a lot of cool events. I had him here interviewed on my podcast, talking about um, the Dirty River and uh, talking about yeah the Grinduro and all this stuff. And huge hug, Paul and I five. Thanks a lot. And I have to say thank you to 3T that actually supports me with the bicycle to WTB that gave me the amazing WTB Sendero. And I have to say thank you for listening to this podcast. Contact, I'm gonna be super fast here. Hello at calamaro.cc, that's my email, and then Instagram.com calamaro.cc, Facebook.com calamaro.cc, read Calamaro on Twitter, and then don't forget of sharing this podcast and rating it five-star and put a comment down, especially in Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts is easy, BroomVegan, look for my podcast over there, and Spotify, BroomVegan, and Spreaker, BroomVegan. For now, a huge hug, and I will talk to you soon. Let's send it.